you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And once again, I'm happy to bring on Josh Ward from Locked On Vols. And we talk, of course, about the entire Jeremy Pruitt firing, the whole situation going on in Tennessee. Plenty to get to, to talk about volunteer football. But of course, we got to talk hoops as well with Missouri heading to Knoxville tomorrow, trying to avenge a pretty embarrassing loss at Mizzou Arena just a few weeks ago. So you know what? Without further ado, let's get to this fun conversation with me and Josh Ward. Well, hey, I'm here with Josh Ward of Locked On Vols, and my goodness, is if there's ever been a more interesting time to be a part of the Tennessee Volunteer Beat, I would like to see it. Jeremy Pruitt is out. Josh, it sounds like some recruits may have gotten a little bit of extra cheese on their Big Macs. Tell us what is what exactly is going on down in Tennessee. A lot has happened over the last few days, John, and uh, it's been a lot to keep up with, and things have moved quickly. The week began with Tennessee firing its head coach and uh, announcing the retirement of the athletic director, retirement, fired, however you want to put it. He's receiving his entire buyout. The uh, firing of Jeremy Pruitt is for cause, so Tennessee is planning to not pay him any of his buyout, which is close to $13 million. Jeremy Pruitt's lawyer came back and said, oh, no, we're going to get some of that money. So they will, uh, they will have to figure that out. But Tennessee has already hired an athletic director, Danny White from UCF, which I think is a, a good hire. They paid a ton of money to get him. They're, Tennessee's going to cover his $2.5 million buyout at UCF, plus pay him $1.8 million per year. That's all happening while the NCAA investigation continues. And Tennessee told us on Monday that the athletic department and the university are expecting – level one and level two violations to bring severe penalties. What does that mean exactly? We'll find out, but there's a chance Tennessee is looking at a postseason ban. There's a chance Tennessee is looking at scholarship reductions. So the next football coach will have to deal with that. It's a good job and it's one where you can win for sure, but it will come with challenges and it will not be easy to win as it has not been easy to win for any of the last four coaches. And it's just all football violations, right? This doesn't bleed into basketball or anything on the, any other sport. This is only with Tennessee football and only under the watch of Jeremy Pruitt. Okay. So now, Josh, I know that you were not obviously the biggest Jeremy Pruitt guy. In fact, I think you were pretty much out on him before all of this recruiting stuff went down. But obviously now with all of these recruiting violations, possibly some major punishment coming Tennessee's way Realistically, what kind of coach do you think they can get next? And is there anybody that you have in mind? I do think Tennessee can get a good coach. It will not be easy. The timing is not ideal. One reason that I think Tennessee could make a good hire is because I think Tennessee will have more coaches willing to listen with Danny White as the athletic director. I think he's a he's a legitimate AD that has good connections, who has made good hires at Buffalo and UCF as the athletic director there. And I think with the money Tennessee is willing to spend – that that will help. Money always talks. And Tennessee, if Tennessee is willing to spend roughly $2 million a year for an AD, then Tennessee is going to be willing to spend a ton of money for its head coaching position. Now, that does not guarantee you get the right guy. Tennessee has been willing to spend in the past. I think a frustration that Tennessee fans have held is that, 
well, uh, we, we don't spend enough. We, we go on the cheap. That's not really true. Tennessee's offered coaches a ton of money, and coaches have turned them down in the past. And Tennessee spent a ton with Jeremy Pruitt as the head coach and uh, had actually just given him a big raise and then you know, fired him just a few months later. But I think Tennessee will look to go find a coach who's more offensive-oriented. The offense at Tennessee the last few years has been dreadful. And I think uh, if you look at hires that have been made by Danny White, especially there at UCF and the approach he took going and getting – offensive coordinators and Scott Frost and then Josh Heupel. That's probably a way to start. I think Tennessee probably needs somebody who has been a head coach, but let's see. Maybe he goes the coordinator route if he finds somebody that he truly believes in. If that's the case, you don't have to spend quite as much money right away. So would you rather go more of an experienced coach or is it just kind of more best coach available? I mean, are you not really looking for, like, say, a, a template for a new guy? Well, my thought has been a head coach, somebody that has that experience because of what the Tennessee job is. While it's a good job and while you can have great success, it is not an easy job. You have to recruit at a high level. You have to compete with Florida, Georgia, and Alabama if you're going to try to win championships, and Tennessee has not come close to doing that. And you have a lot of pressure that comes with the job, and I I think that pressure can wear on coaches. I think it has worn on coaches at Tennessee. So you need somebody that understands what he's walking into. Back to your question about what kind of coach Tennessee can get, I would imagine that having Danny White as the athletic director will at least lead candidates to believe I'm going to have the support of my AD. I've, I've got a, I've got somebody in that position that knows what he's doing. He understands, and I'm sure there will be real conversations about what the job is, what the potential is and what, what the obstacles will be. And then the coaches have to uh, consider that. Now, when we talk about current head coaches, go back to the timing. We're here entering the final week of January. This is not typically when you want to be trying to hire a head coach. But uh, again, if Tennessee is willing to spend the kind of money and a coach looks at Tennessee and says, you know what, that's a good job. I'm going to be given time. I'm going to be given the resources and I'm going to bet on myself I can win there. Then Tennessee could could land the coach. And also Danny White probably just has more connections than someone like Philip Fulmer might have had to go find a head coach. Well, Josh, there's no doubt the connections are extremely important in life. And you know what? For all you listeners out there, thanks to your connection to us at the Locked On Podcast Network, we've got a great deal for all of you from our friends at betonline.ag because there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust at Locked On, and that's betonline.ag. And when you sign up for a free account at betonline.ag, and you use the promo code Locked On, well, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. And that's the kind of connection that gets you literally paid free money. So how can you possibly beat that? Get in on the action, and don't forget to use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Get more of the sports you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, all my lame jokes about you know mcdonald's 
Biags aside, I mean, I do think, don't you think Tennessee after the sort of storm blows over here, they'll still recruit at a top, at least a top 20 level, right? I mean, pretty consistently. I mean, just seems like that's where that program is at the very least. Yeah, to that level, Tennessee recruits itself. Tennessee has incredible facilities. Tennessee has the resources. I use that word again because Tennessee spends on recruiting. Tennessee will not spare an expense when it comes to travel. Once that begins again, this dead period is still ongoing, but at some point will be lifted, surely. Uh, But also what they do behind the scenes, the marketing, the branding that Tennessee puts together, it's elite. So yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee will recruit at a high level. You know, think you think about Jeremy Pruitt, the way that he was recruiting, he did a good job. And at one point they were recruiting at an elite level. You can tell why, but the recruiting actually was not as good as it should have been because the football results were so bad. So like this 21 class that they just signed should be kind of the minimum of what you expect coaches to, to sign. And that's what's, I think, been frustrating part of what's been frustrating for fans is that Jeremy Pruitt was expected to be an ace recruiter and he put a staff together that was supposed to recruit at a high level but he forgot that you need to go play good football or otherwise those recruits are just going to go to Georgia or Alabama right well I think you know that's one of Tennessee's deals you know you mentioned Alabama that is their cross division rival and that is a true rivalry I think sometimes nationally people overlook the Tennessee and Alabama rivalry just because obviously Auburn and Alabama takes a little bit more of a precedent but I mean that 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 rivalry really matters a lot to Tennessee fans I know that for a fact and obviously the last 10 12 years has just been an unprecedented run by Alabama so that makes it tough when one of your biggest rivals is just suddenly just at the absolute tippy top of college football it does create some some angst sort of on top of everything that Tennessee has gone through and you know what we were talking about recruiting a little bit you know what whoever the next coach at Tennessee is sounds like they might have to do a little bit of recruiting on guys who are currently on the roster guys like their leading rusher Eric Gray right he's now entering the transfer portal along with some other key players obviously if you're in the portal that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to leave do you get the feeling some of these guys are waiting to see who the new coach is or are they definitely out the door they could be Eric Gray would be somebody to pay attention to maybe he's a player from the state of Tennessee he had great success at Tennessee in, in his two seasons individually and um, I, he's a good prospect. Uh, I think that there's probably been communication because you're right. While there's been a head coaching change, Kevin Stills, the interim coach, and coaches are still on staff recruiting. Jay Graham would be the running backs coach at Tennessee. He played at Tennessee. So part of the message there would be, hey, think about the school, not who was let go. Tennessee's going to be fine. This, is be, this will be the place for you. But also, while players are in the transfer portal, they can now be contacted by other schools. So time is of the essence, I would say, with those players. With uh, guys like Henry Tooto and Quavaris Crouch at linebacker, they're probably less likely to come back. I would not say impossible for Tennessee to keep them at UT, but obviously less likely with them entering the portal. And Henry already had some real concerns. Several of these players had concerns before Jeremy Pruitt was fired. And we'll see if anybody else does decide to leave. A number of players have decided to leave the program. And I know Tennessee didn't have a ton of success with these guys. And some of, the, some of them had underachieved, I think. They, they hadn't developed right. But part of your thought there is, okay, well, if you get the right coach, development should improve. Uh, but also – the more players you lose, the harder it becomes to rebuild because you can only sign so many players each year. And if Tennessee does have scholarship reductions, your numbers are going to be even more limited. So it's not good. I've seen comments of, well, you know what? Good riddance. Or, you know, these guys are underachievers. Let them go. And that's fine if you have that thought. But 
just know that that makes it more difficult to rebuild the roster because there's only so much you can do. The NCAA rules only allow you to sign so many players. It's not one for one. If you lose 30 guys, you can't replace them with 30 guys. Yeah, especially of the same quality necessarily. And yeah, your depth is going to be challenged. It is one thing when you say, yeah, okay, this guy's underachieved. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that the guy replacing him is going to be a more productive player. That's definitely true. Honestly, yeah, these are, thought, to be clear, these are some of Tennessee's most talented players. Well, maybe Crouch didn't play at the highest level. He was also learning the linebacker position. I like Quavaris Crouch. I think he's a hard worker. And he's one of Tennessee's more talented players. Gray was one of Tennessee's best players and toe 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 for sure yeah, one of yeah. Tennessee's most important players so uh and then also Wani Morris already left he was one of their five-star players in the 19 class he has already transferred to Oklahoma he was going to be replaced most likely by Jameer Johnson at left tackle well Jameer Johnson's now in the transfer portal so it starts to become a depth issue go behind the scenes of the game you love and get all sides of the story with the rejecting the screen podcast each week Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko get personal while interviewing players, coaches, media members, all the people who make the NBA happen. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, really, it's odd because Tennessee, we've discussed this before, but it really was sort of the the peak of this past season was the second game against Missouri. I felt like the Vols were kind of hitting on all cylinders in that game. They got the kid from uh, Cade Mays, I believe, it just came from from Georgia as a transfer playing his first game. That offensive line was looking really good. But it just felt like, well, you know, Jarrett Garantano maybe didn't have it. If they can just find the quarterback, boy, they're on the way. And now here we are with, you know, just – hitting the the reset button once again for Tennessee for about what the sixth time in the past you know 10 15 years or so so kind of odd but you know what that's where we are but you know what let's talk a little bit of basketball Josh I tell you it was expected to be a good da- game down in Columbia and the Vols just completely blew the Tigers doors off what are you expecting this time now down in Knoxville is, are you, do you think this is just a, a horrible matchup for Mizzou or just kind of one of those things I expect it to be closer. Uh, Tennessee was clearly the better team when they played in the first matchup, but Tennessee, since that game, has not played at that level, and Missouri, over the course of the season, has clearly played at a higher level than it did in that game. And I know that Tennessee's coaches are telling their players, hey, that game is an outlier. Tennessee associate head coach Mike Schwartz was on my radio show on Sports 180 on Thursday, and he said, and he used that word outlier. And he, he said it a few weeks ago, Hey, don't look at that game and expect us to be that. And don't expect Missouri to be that Tennessee got off to such a good start in that game. And to me, that was huge because Missouri is not a great shooting team and Tennessee as good as it can be defensively. And was that night, I think made it more difficult for Missouri to have a chance to come back in the game. So the start of the game will, will be a big deal. How either team shoots will be a big deal, which is obvious in any game, right? But I think it is with these two teams because Tennessee has had its shooting issues. Against Florida on Tuesday, when the Vols were blown out, they were 3 of 18 behind the three-point line. So Tennessee has to shoot better. They have to be better offensively. The status of Jaden Springer is something to pay attention to. He is a really talented freshman. And in Tennessee's two worst games of the season, losses against Alabama and Florida, He was unavailable because of an ankle injury, Uh, missed most of the Alabama game, did not play against Florida, and Tennessee clearly missed him. And the Vols have depth, and it shouldn't shouldn't affect them the way that it did, but uh, Tennessee needs to respond. And I'll be curious, you you bring up the matchup, John, 
Missouri's a, a physical team, right? And they can rebound, and Jeremiah Tillman's a, a really important player. That's where Tennessee's coaches have challenged the players. Hey, you, you didn't give a great effort. You weren't physical enough. You got pushed around on the boards. So this is a really interesting game to me to see how Tennessee responds because I also expect, tell me what you think, that Missouri is going to be very motivated to prove that, hey, that game is not who we are, the game from a few weeks ago against Tennessee. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Missouri is definitely going to come out ready to play tonight. And and if they're not, I'll be disappointed. Certainly, the beginning of the game is going to be important for sure. I mean, really, the first four or five minutes of this game, it's going to be important to establish energy for Missouri, quite honestly, because sometimes, I don't know why this team it's had a tendency the last few years to just come out a little bit flat and boy, they came out really strong in their previous game, got up by 10 points early and that was about all she wrote. They ended up winning by 11 points. So yeah, I think, you know, Jeremiah Tillman has basically dominated the paint here in sec play on both ends of the court. He's obviously going to need to do that again. Really my concern again, just getting back to the matchup is Tennessee just has so much length on the perimeter. I mean, Eve Pons is the obvious one. Yeah. Well, speaking of guys on the perimeter with a lot of length, I, I did notice in their previous game against Florida, Josiah Jordan James only played 13 minutes. Now, there's a guy to me, he's almost the fulcrum for Tennessee if I'm looking at them just on paper. Like, he's a really talented kid, but his production can be a little bit inconsistent. What do you, what do you think about that thought? And what do you just think about him as a player? Yeah, especially from a scoring standpoint, Locked On Vols listeners know that I'm very high on Josiah Jordan-James as a player. I think he is a a perfect player for Rick Barnes in that he is mature, he's smart, he's a good leader. Rick Barnes has called him the voice of the team as only a sophomore, and he's a really good player. He's a five-star prospect coming out of high school. Uh, But offensively, I think there are times where he has needed to take charge. This past Tuesday was one of those games with Springer not there, and it just didn't happen. And uh, I think they need more of that from him. Uh, At times, Tennessee staff has said, yeah, he needs to be more aggressive. And they're going to say that, I think, about most players. But Josiah, especially because of his potential, he's a good defender. He can handle the basketball, takes care of the basketball, and he can rebound. He can literally do everything that you ask a player to do on the floor. But I think they need him to step up and be more of a scoring threat at times. And Tuesday was one of those times where it didn't work out. So uh, I'm still going to bet on uh, Josiah being a really good player as this season goes along and Tennessee bouncing back for this matchup. I I think Tennessee will respond. I think John Fulkerson, a senior leader on Tennessee's team will respond. Same for Pons. They need more from him offensively, but um, you know, I'm I'm also projecting there. I'm, I'm seeing the potential of Tennessee against a team like Missouri or how they played against Cincinnati and in Colorado earlier in the season. And it hasn't been there at all times. And maybe part of the issue is that there's no obvious Grant Williams or Admiral Schofield where you never question if they're ready to just lead the team. That's a bit of a question with this team right now. So, uh, let's see how they respond. That, that's why I do think it's a good matchup, a good, a good kind of team for Tennessee to play right after the Florida game. The, the Florida game was a disaster for Tennessee. Everybody recognizes that. I also try to point out a basketball game in a long basketball season. You have outliers that are really good, like that Missouri performance, and that are really bad, like the Florida performance. And the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, for sure. And and certainly on paper, you can just say, well, maybe that was an outlier. Uh, the problem is, is I was at that game and watched that entire game and thought, boy, there were some real problems here for Missouri, just matchup wise. Maybe they'll be able to solve them this time around. And just for, for your Vols fans out there, for sure, 
One guy, a couple guys to watch, really. Obviously, Xavier Pinson has been a really productive player this season, but frankly, he hasn't played as many minutes the last couple games. And, well, Missouri's still been pretty effective anyway, so it'll be interesting to see how his minutes shake out. Also, Drew Smith, probably the guy on the team who benefited from Missouri's pause, its COVID-related pause there. They missed a couple games in a row, probably about 11 days there. Mm -hmm. They had some time off. I've been wanting Drew Smith to be more aggressive offensively, and it seems like he had a wrist injury that maybe had some time to heal up. And you know what? If Drew Smith gets going, I think Missouri's got a pretty good chance to at least cover what's going to be probably a six or seven point spread here. I'm guessing, but we don't we don't have one one from BetOnline.ag yet since we're recording this on a Friday morning. But that's just where I'd be leaning. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, I've seen Ken Palm's projection, and it, it's in that range. So I, I would imagine Bet Online will be in a similar window. Typically, they're right in the ballpark there, yeah. that Ken Palm projection. Yeah, and, uh, and so you were at that game when Tennessee and Missouri played a few weeks ago. It seemed like Tennessee kind of overwhelmed Missouri with its length and its athleticism. And, and Tennessee was on fire. That was the SEC opener. Yep. Uh, so they, they were on fire on offense, but they were just – it was all cylinders go with what Tennessee was trying to do on both ends of the floor. And I'll be curious to see if Tennessee can bring that kind of intensity. And if so, I'll be curious to see how Missouri responds this time because Mizzou didn't seem to handle it well. We talked at that time about – the, the Tigers are trying to cut into the lead, trying to make it, what, close to a 10-point game. Pinson came down the floor, and it's just one play, but he he fired and yeah, advised three. I remember that. He came back down the court and scored, and it's like, okay, well, th- there goes that run that Missouri was trying to put together. So little things like that can end up being a big deal, I think, and uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see if Missouri is more prepared. It's, it's a road game this time, but home away, I still haven't figured out if it's that big of a deal this year because – you don't have typical environment. So I, I don't even know if, if that factors in much at all. And in some cases, maybe teams are glad to get away from home and feel like, hey, this is a little bit of a break from the normalcy. You know, I, I saw a pretty good statistical study that has said overall in college basketball, it's maybe been only like a point difference or so. Uh-huh. I, I would personally, I, I'm not going to argue with those numbers. I would like to see what the difference is in these places, you know, the bigger schools that typically do have the bigger home court advantages, like say, you know, a Tennessee to a lesser extent, you know, Missouri, obviously Kansas Duke. I mean, I've just seen, you know, Kansas lose a game at home here. Duke lose a home game. It just seems like the places that typically have the, you know, top, really top home court advantages. Maybe it's more than a point. It seems to me it's got to be just, you know, the referees alone are influenced by the, those home crowds, especially in those big time places like Duke and Kansas, and even a place like Thompson Bowling Arena that'll hold 20,000 plus when it gets as full as it can be in rocking, which frankly with this Tennessee team, it probably would be this season, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's real. Energy is real. And absolutely, Tennessee is, Tennessee is a place where when that place is, is filled up, the energy it gets real, it gets loud, and the players can feed off that. And also, we we've talked in Knoxville a lot about the fact that the fans just they're not getting the experience. This is a team with several players who could be in the NBA, a couple of them maybe next year. And so it was a team that fans were really excited to see. And some are getting to go, but not not that many. So uh, yeah, that's that's just something that's missing. And yeah, you know, a lot of sports, college football missed it this past fall, the normal environment, but that's just what we're having to deal with. It's a shame, but yep. You know, I'll also say that the players, I think they've, for the most part, that you know, they've gotten used to what it is. They, they've gotten used to the testing that they have to go through to be able to go play. And uh, while it's not ideal, yeah, they're resilient people. And I think we, we discount that. But in terms of just the game and the typical environment that can affect a game, that's kind of thrown out this year. 
are they still getting are they getting the nose test regularly is that the test they're getting i believe so oh that is not pleasant let me tell you i've had that before that is not very fun I have. <laughs> it's, it's really uh, not it, yeah it, it'll it'll clear out the sinuses no doubt about it i was gonna say like i would i'd get tired of those after a few times so uh good for those guys for dealing with that yeah, you know, it's just, and um, you know, it's it's for the opportunity to go play, so sure. they're going to do it every time. I get it. But yeah, it's not ideal, right? You don't want to do it every day. No, and and I mean, you want to you want to you want normalcy. We all want normalcy, and these players don't have it, not even close to it. Right. Well, you got anything else for me, Josh? No, I'm just I'm I'm excited to see how things go because Tennessee, you know, it, it went into the start of SEC play as the clear favorite. It's not the favorite anymore. Alabama's the favorite, right, in the in the conference. And Missouri's a team that I'm still curious to see where things are going to go. I know the next two games are against Tennessee and against Auburn. So these are big games for Missouri, and I'm sure Missouri knows that. So uh, how these teams respond is is going to be a big deal for where the rest of the season goes within conference play. Yeah, you just can't get away from those Crimson Tide, can you? Seven and zero. What the hell? They're good in basketball now too. How annoying! I know SEC fans are. They're glad to see <laughs> something finally breaking the way of Alabama. Yeah, right. Finally, now they've got ball <laughs> and oats along with great football. What the hell? Yeah. Well, well, one Josh, thing I will add before we wrap things up sure. for, for any Tennessee fan that might be listening: Nate Oates hired by Danny White at Buffalo before he ended up being Alabama's basketball coach. So for, for Tennessee fans who might hear this conversation, there's another thing that will make you feel a little bit better. Danny White's had good uh, – he's had good hiring success, football and basketball, from his time at different schools. Um, uh, Dawkins at uh, UCF, I think, has worked out pretty well too. Well, six degrees of Danny White. I like it. Good little yeah. capper there, Josh. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for making some time for me today. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, same to you. Thanks, John. This has been fun. Yep, as always, man. Thank you.